0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the Womenhood and International Relations Podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla, and we are very excited to be recording our first virtual talk event, a very special uh, recording thanks to the work of Maria del Consuelo Torija, Shelo Torija, who is the co-producer and co-moderator of today's event. We are more than excited to be launching this news web series, as well as podcast series, where we are partnering with amazing um, organizations that are doing work all around the world in terms of womenhood and international relations. And in this occasion, we will have a special participation and special appearance by um, Mexican initiative, Mexican based initiative TARUF. And we are very excited to be um, giving a very warm welcome. Come to Perla Primavera and Mariana Montiel, which are the co-founders of this initiative, and to open up the space to a new conversation, a very important conversation on Sahrawi feminism for this first talk. And we have a very, a very important set of guests here to activists, two female activists in Sahrawi uh, refugee camps that are uh, connected to the Sahrawi feminism and the MENA region as well, uh, through the Towards a, a Feminist Consciousness blog. Um, let me give you, give you a very warm welcome, Alia Malaimine and Mena Suilem. Thank you so much for joining this podcast. Thank you, Maria, we're
1: very excited to be here with you today.
0: Thank you so much, uh, Mina, and thank you, Alia. I'm gonna leave all of you with a conversation with Shelo. Shelo yep. is a gender specialist and international relations specialist uh, focusing on the MENA region. And she was the one um, that knows more about Sahrawi feminism. So she's gonna lead the conversation with Mina and Alia. And after, we are going to be opening up for a QA where everybody can uh, um, send their questions via chat and we are going to have a very nice conversation afterwards. So, shallow take over.
2: Yes, thank you, Natalia. And also, thank you, Mina and Alia, for accepting this invitation. I'm so grateful and I know that all of you will fall in love with them as much as I do. And thank you so much. And so, let's begin. So Nina Analia, can you tell us who are you? How did you come up with the idea of the words of feminist consciousness?
3: Yeah, sure. As a, a simple introduction of the Western Sahara history, I'd like to say that Western Sahara, also known as the last African colony, is a country located on the north, north uh, west coast of Africa. It's bordered by Algeria, Mauritania and Morocco. So it's a country that has a very significant uh, phosphate reserves and a offshore fishing uh it was also a former spanish colony between uh, it was between 18, eight, uh, 1884 and nineteen seventy five so when the spain pulled out the uh, the the western sahara was annexed by morocco so over uh three hundred and fifteen thousand moroccans uh they 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 crossed into western sahara in a so-called green marsh so uh, we found ourselves that uh, we are forced to fight in a war against the moroccan occupation up until 1991 uh, with the ceasefire agreement so that, that was a brief history and uh, now to to give like um, definition of to, towards a feminist consciousness. So it's a blog, intersectional blog, that works on, on uh, creating an alternative uh, feminist knowledge of women's issues and gender identities uh, in the MENA region. Also, we work on archiving the feminist movements in the region by publishing articles, uh, translations, research papers that focused on understanding and analyzing the roots of patriarchal systems and how they are institutionalized. So, uh, we also work on social media by documenting the cases of uh, rape, violence, sexual assaults, uh, murders that happen towards women. So, uh, we started in 2017, by the end of 2017, as a small group chat on WhatsApp. We gathered like women from Mauritania, women from uh, Western Sahara also, from the occupied territories, from the refugee camps, from the diaspora also. And it was a very, very safe place for us to share and to discuss our daily struggles with the the patriarchy. So uh, in 2018 we decided to create the blog in order to reach more women. Uh, and what makes this blog very special I guess is that Everyone is welcome to participate. You don't need a very high level, academic level to publish your work on it. You just send us an email, we work on the text together and we publish it. Why? Why things are this simple on our blog? Because we want every woman to participate. We want the platform to be very diverse, to be a voice for every woman out there. We want women to express themselves freely uh, we want them to feel supported to feel heard so that's it
2: yes thank you so much um, this is important because most people don't know what you are experiencing as Saharawi women so what is the situation of Saharawi women how were they affected during and after the war because most people don't know that the war is very so close to our time so you just told us um what do you have to experience on the occupation in the refugee camps
1: how do, are you impact uh, i'll try to answer that maria uh, first of all i'm sorry i had to change my location because my network is really um weak so if my voice starts to cut please just warn me um, uh, to start with, the Sahara society is a very much a tribal, religious, patriarchal society. That means that even before the occupations and wars, women were being exploited and oppressed with um, limited rules within the society, just like mothers and wives and etc. Uh, and Ali, as Ali mentioned, we were occupied by Spain and now 70% of our lands are under the Moroccan occupation. Um, when the, resist, the resistance movement became unbearable for Spain, they would withdrew their forces and replaced them with the Mauritanian and Moroccan armies and settlers. Um, Mauritania shortly gotten out of Western Sahara, and the war with Morocco continued uh, from 1975 to the ceasefire in 1991. Um, now, during these years, uh, Sahara women who fled the cities and the hometowns they come from from the war uh, found themselves. Uh, responsible for building the administrative body of the Polisario Front and organized it and sustained the refugees camps in Algeria. Uh, these women operated in small collectives. Uh, they were military trained, um, they studied, they taught people, uh, they were also the medical help and the core and majority of the elected uh, congresses that were first uh, made in the 70s and 60s. And they were basically the governing body after the declaration of the Republic. Um, These women, what makes them so special is they defied all odds. They are mostly people who who are used to nomadic and peaceful lives of the desert. They never learned how to uh, govern or create camps or do anything. They learned everything from scratch in record time. And also showed potential coming from people who never Uh, lived in a controlled sphere because they come from tribal societies that lived in the desert. They don't know how a country operates or works. Uh, However, these women, after the ceasefire, the men returned and removed them from all the position and uh, replaced them with themselves. Um, Sorry about that. Uh, These women were sent to smaller, more locker positions and were forced to give up all their hard work and the positions and the places they made for the men who came from the war. Uh, That was just one of the many disappointments that uh, these women had faced because soon after that the historical society of Western Sahara was just back in full force along with its degrading and oppressive systems. Uh, Soon after the ceasefire, families started to deny their girls uh, to travel for education because at the time they had uh, in the refugee camps, uh, lots of Latin American, for example, countries uh, had scholarships specifically for uh, refugees camps. These families started to uh, refuse and deny their girls uh, uh, to travel for education. More younger girls were married off when they were kids. Um, and here, I want to mention that at the time, one of the strict policies that the Policarii Front placed on women uh, was the reproductive policy. It was um, forced on women to give as many kids as possible, uh, even during the war. Uh, and at the time, 80% of women ended up being a single, single moms due to the passing of their spouses, or to the fact that uh, men in our societies are allowed to marry and divorce as they wish, because uh, the Sharia Allah gives them that right. They can marry you uh, with a word and they can divorce you with the word and it's only their right to divorce you, which is basically uh, horrible. Uh, and up until now, there, there's no laws that concern family or custody or child support. Everything is just verbal. Uh, and it's one of the main issues in the camps is that, uh, Because only the men control the divorce process. That gives them the power to just, um, when they want, they can stay in the marriage. And when they don't want, they can just leave and leave you as a woman married in front of the society. And you cannot divorce yourself and you cannot go to a court and demand to be divorced because the rights remain his. Uh, And another issue is that the lack of these laws also force these women to after the marriage is, is, uh, is over, they find themselves with no support. The men are not demanded to, 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 to support their families, not demanded to have uh, monthly child support for their kids. And they depend on the very little help uh, that the, uh, the front um, gives them. Uh, and also, uh, can you hear me? OK. Okay yes, yes of course. So, okay, uh these these women end up with children they cannot support with very little help that comes from the uh, international organizations to the camps. Uh also one of the biggest issues in the camps is that there is no uh laws of, or convictions of sexual assaults or rape or harassment or even uh, domestic violence. Uh During, for example, the last decade, there has been a very big increase in gang rapes against women in the camps. And the victims uh, rarely find any justice and are socially convicted uh, and stigmatized. Uh, The front also, um, which we are very disappointed by, has worked uh, hard on advertising a false image of the uh, Sahara, Sahara society uh and women to please their western allies uh activists our leaders they speak usually with all the confidence they have about an ethiopian society where women uh were as equal as possible to men and are respected and treated with dignity just for the sake of panting this false narratives uh to uh, have the uh, i don't know maybe the support or the funds from international organizations so they can uh, stay uh, in this position where they this is just people we have, they have political uh, issues, but they don't have social issues, which is really just as horrible as you can hear it. Uh, they painted this false narrative and enforced it throughout these last decades, instead of actually helping women and working on making that narrative true. Uh, this issue created a hostile environment and a rejective reaction from people when Sahrawi women actually speak about their issues and voice them. Uh, This is just the uh, tip of the iceberg when it comes to uh, the refugee camps. However, uh, women who live under the Moroccan occupation uh, are forced to live in the duality of living under the occupation and under a patriarchal society, which is really hard and restrictive. During the war years, women were raped and killed. Uh, Lots of activists were kidnapped and tortured for years. Uh, Their families even believed they were dead because they can be kidnapped for 16 to 20 years. Nobody knew if they were alive or even near them in just uh, a military prison. Uh, These women were never mentioned in anything, they were never given the gratitude of what they did or the sacrifices they had. And even throughout this uh, hostile environment and very deadly uh, place to to be as a woman, women kept participating in uh, in the uprisings that happened in the occupied territories and they helped with the resistant movement and they passed the importance of the uh, uh, Sahrawi cause to their children and kept it alive as much as possible. but the real patriarchal face of our culture shows its banks when uh, these women go into the street and be present and participate in the, in the up- upri- uprisings that, that happens uh, in the occupied territories. Uh, our society and the, the, the medias and the people that uh, cover our uprisings here are more concerned about you as a woman if your hair is shown or if your mahfa has been has fallen out or something, instead of actually focusing that you are in the street being beaten up by the police of the occupation. Uh, and they focus on that, just small, uh, absolutely insignificant fact that you are just uh, half naked or your hair is uncovered. Uh, and it's basically really ridiculous. Uh, women are constantly, constantly uh, participating in the streets. And they are faced with the usual, uh, um, reaction of, oh, look at them, they are, they, they, they are just uh, free, not free, they are just women who, call, who have no restrictions, look at them, they just want to be in the street, they just want to be uncovered, uh, they have no families to hold them, which basically translates to men who want, who control you, you have no men to control you, you have no one to hold you down. Uh, and These are the same women that our media and our ad- activists, Advertised as heroes and revolutionists when they speak about cause uh, and what they face at the hand of colonialists, but these same activists cannot talk about what they what these women actually face from their uh, society. Um, yes. these women yes, also were forced to not, to be. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, of course. Okay, uh, yes,
0: these women course. were
1: forced to be, to be silent and to never speak about what they went through in the when they were uh, raped or kidnapped or tortured. You never hear testimonies about the, the, the activists that were uh, kidnapped and tortured. You never hear, you hear just they were tortured in the, in, the, in the prisons, but you never hear testimonies about the sexual assault they went through. Uh, and even now, it's still the same thing because when women get raped, they cannot go into a, an occupational court. Uh, and even if they did, mostly their families would close the case and as, uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, they will close the case and they will their tribes will solve. And here I want to just put two lines on the so, Uh the case is solved by these men who sit down and talk about you and talk about your honor and blah, and blah, and blah, uh, and they will end up with either marrying you to your rapist or they will give the, 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 the criminal or the rapist a family will give an amount of money to the to the uh, victim's tribe to repair her honor. Uh, and the same things happen with domestic violence. It always stays between the family members. It is too stigmatized to talk about. And most of our society live on the lie that it doesn't even exist. Uh, they accuse their victims of lying when they come forward. And they just deny the fact that any woman in our society can be bitten up or abused by her husband or partner because, Simply, they believe that no man can ever do that, which is ridiculous also. Um, I want to highlight here the specific fact that tribal tactics in our society for solving social assaults and abuse, uh, it only reflects what our society thinks is good, uh, which manner uh, men thinks is good. These meetings and discussions that happens behind the victim's back only exclude her and enforce the exclusion of women from everything, even cases uh, they have the first say in. Um, Tribal laws are a huge obstacle when it comes to cases like these. Their sole purpose is to eliminate any existence of women's voices. The occupation also played an essential role in enforcing the rule of tribal laws to keep the uh, classist, Tribal society of Western Sahara, in fact, because it eliminates any voice of change that might be a through the the occupation. Uh, they know these crimes happen. They know what happens to the victims, and they have uh, okay, just small laws that people can actually get a bit of justice from. But they just see and they close their eyes to these. And most of the courts, even if you are the victim and you uh, came forward and placed the case, they allow your Father or brother or anybody from your tribe to close the case from behind your back. Um, Also, when we talk about all these, yeah, when we talk about all these uh, oppressive systems and oppressive uh, tactics which the society acts with women, uh, all these is doubled when it comes to black women in our society. They are just as oppressed and abused by patriarchal laws and standard they face. the discrimination and racism, based on their race and are excluded from various conversations. Um, they are not just forced to be silenced about their issues as women, but they also face uh, silence, are forced to be silenced uh, from uh, talking about what they face from our racist and classist uh, society. Mr. Um, Harawi, I'm, I'm so sorry for being so long, but uh, I just want to be as uh, specific as possible, uh, yes. the, Sahrawi, the situation of Sahrawi woman doesn't differ from any woman in the This is yeah, this is a false uh, stereotype that uh, is believed that we have we live in a different utopian society, which is basically a lie. Uh, our lives are monitored and are controlled not just by our families but by our tribes. Basic rights such as education is controlled by our families, whether they approve of our studies or not. Among other basics, um, such as the way we dress uh, or, or we present ourselves, we are based, We are forced to wear one, uh, you, one, uh, one clothing, which is the melfe. It's just basically a long piece of cloth that covers you and covers your hair. You cannot go without it. Most families force it on their, uh, their daughters and. Uh, Women and sisters, uh, yeah. Also, having friends, celebrating, going out—all these basic uh, experiences are controlled and have to be by our, approved by our families for us to experience. Um, and here, I want to talk about what this, what all of this situation is putting us, or is treating us as feminists. Uh, working under the occupation makes your work as a feminist very restricted. you can't form a collective, um, you can't uh, work directly with women, you can't work directly with victims because if you're not registered and in support of the Moroccan illegal occupation, um, then you cannot work and you cannot act as an organization and you will most certainly be arrested and facing and, uh, uh, prison. Uh, this puts us in a very difficult position because we know there are women who can't access what we post and why, what we write about, and to reach them, you must be on the ground and visible and to reach the margins that are not uh, that social media or even the net internet is not accessible. they have they have no access to them but still, um, working on just social media has given us a great opportunity to connect with women from the camps from. Uh, and to connect them to women from the occupied territories and to women from the diaspora so that all of us who come from the same society can share our experiences even as different as they seem uh, and they share their thoughts and experiences with us and hear us and that's just more than enough so that's that's this is the Sahara society in general I'm very sorry for being so long
2: no 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 don't be sorry at all we know that reality shapes what we do and what we think and ideology and it's really impressive to know that and really impressive to know what you are doing despite being in occupation and despite experiences, experiencing what you are experiencing. So can you tell us how do you define Sahrawi Feminism um, regarding all that you have to experience and all you, you have to fight? Um, what well, What can you tell us about that, about your movement? Uh, are there feminisms or a movement? What can you tell us?
3: So, uh, there is, to be honest, there is no one size fits all type of feminism in Western Sahara. So there isn't a specific background or a specific ideology that all of us Sahrawi feminists adapt and follow. So you can choose a movement that feels closest to you, the right movement that could help you analyze and also understand your situation or your environment. So in, uh, towards a feminist consciousness, we consider our, ourselves as socialist intersectional feminists. But there are also other feminists that might identify themselves as liberals, Islamists, or radicals, or post-colonial feminists. Uh, We have very diverse groups, such as Amnat Soura, uh, Feminism Sahrawi, and other uh, feminists that that are working individually, you know? So, therefore, I would say that uh, Sahrawi feminism is diverse when talking about forms and ideologies, but it's the same when it, when we are talking about the goal or the context of uh, the context of fighting the duality of the oppression, the patriarchy, and the occupation.
2: Wow! Thank you so much for this. Finally, can you tell us how can you help you in your fight and movement as feminists and Saharawis? How can you help also to spread your blog to many people to know what is happening there?
1: Maria, can you please repeat what you said?
2: Ah yes, sorry. Um, how can we help you in your fight of movement as feminists and Saharawis
1: Hello can you hear me now
2: Yes can you hear can
1: you hear me okay please can you please repeat your question I'm very sorry I did not hear it.
2: Don't worry so how can you help you in your fight and movement as feminists? And also, as Sahara, we uh, we as Latin Americans and also people from the world, what can we do?
1: Uh, we, we really appreciate the offer, and we are very grateful. Uh, for us, you can follow our platforms on social media and our blog and talk about the work we do. Um, as for the Sahrawi cause in general, you can read more about the struggle and Sah- the sufferance of the Sahrawis under the occupation and what they face uh, of hardships in the refugees' camps. Um, spread the word about us. Uh, reach out to organizations and programs that are known to donate the camps. Uh, If you are from these organizations, keep the Sahara refugees in mind. Women in the camps uh, have to live without basic reproductive needs uh, and include Sahrawis from the territories, the occupied territories in your programs. Uh, Our cause throughout the last decades has been very overshadowed and Little people talk about it. Little people reach out to the to the um, to the refugees. There are little donations. So any help really is is appreciated.
2: Thank you so much, Alia and Mina for this. Also, I'm giving the microphone to Natalia because we will begin with a Q and A. So, thank you, Natalia.
0: Okay. Thanks. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you so much, Alia and Nina. Um, We would love to get to know your questions um, for this episode. We wanted to have like a clear uh, view of what's happening in the region and also uh, on Sahrawi women's experiences. And um, to give a special um, introduction to the work that Taruf is doing here in Latin America, which is one of our partners, I want to um, give a special um, section for Perla
4: and Mariana to share uh, a question for our our, um, special guests. Hi everyone, Um, just like would like to know how would you describe your role in society and what would you um, in this uh, role right now that you are playing, uh, what would you how would you like to play a new role for the next new generations? I mean, uh, right now you have seen the things that you know that are not in the right directions. So what would you expect for the future? Like now that you are uh, with this conscious about what it's uh, happening. Uh, Thank you. Um,
1: uh, I think the first question was to describe our society as like this.
4: You want me to describe the structure of it as a personal way. Like, how would you describe your role because you are right now uh, with this uh, idea and now you understand what it's going on. And mm-hmm. after that, now that you understand this role, uh, what mm-hmm. would you like for the next generations?
1: Okay. Um, for now, our role is i think that me and other feminists that uh, belong to different and diverse uh, uh, feminist uh, theories our work mainly is to just be the first generation that actually talked about these issues and have have them you know strict not strict just um to frame what is actually going on, to have um, uh, a place where you can analyze and speak of. Because the problem, uh, when we started the group chat, as Elia mentioned it, Lots of women realize that what they live through is wrong and is not uh, correct and what they face is um, they have the society telling them that they are, uh, they live great, they they have equality, they have everything they need, but they have abusive families and they have families that restrict their movements and restrict their rights. So, uh, for us, our rule for now is to give the women in our society a place where they can analyze their situation from and to understand what what is happening and to understand and how you can um, understand the structure of the society you live in and understand where this uh, oppression that you live through is coming from and what is does uh, enforce that uh, oppression and that sufferings. What we want for the next generation, however, is that to build a independent, free uh, society and country, you have to have a free, also an equal society. You cannot just come and build a country uh, that is just as any other country in the region that is built on the sufferings and the oppression of uh, women and other gender gender identities and communities from the margins. We want a free and equal society that everyone is uh, part of and nobody is excluded and nobody is thrown out to the margins and never talked about or are uh, forced to be the backs that other communities or other uh, identities are. Uh, step in on to reach their goals and you stay in the back. We want, uh, as just any other uh, feminist movements, we want a society where women can feel free, they can feel safe, they can feel protected. Uh, It's it's not just enough for us to have laws or to have uh, people who understand our uh, sufferings. We want people to understand and see these sufferings and also respect you and respect your existence and give you the place that you can nourish from and you can exist in peacefully and safely, of course. That's uh, as much as I can um, resume, yeah.
0: Thank you so much, Mia. Um, Aliyah, would you like to share?
3: I totally agree with Manna. I don't think there is anything else to share. She said it all.
0: (laughs) Okay. I wanted to ask you, here we have a very good question about um, Sahrawi women politicians, Michelle Iturbe is asking, what are Sahrawi women politicians doing on feminist issues? Um, Do do you have politicians in the, the camps?
1: we have we have and we have also um politicians who work with the occupations the existence of a uh, polit- woman who works in politics is uh has um just like any other country has uh, proven to be absolutely futile because these women are just another tool that the patriarchy uses against us they are there for their own goals and they are there for their own uh benefits they are not there for women most of these women actually are just the um, um the the the, the <laughs> i'm looking for the word uh they are just what the patriarchy uses against us in a lot of time to prove that, okay, look, we have women politicians. You can't just say that we are uh, oppressing you. Look at these women, they are here. What what are these women doing here? These women are basically just uh, decor in their... Uh, congresses they just sit there with their very shiny very colorful malfas and they speak with a vague language they use vague uh, expressions about what they can do to help women what they can do to help the communities but at the end of the day they don't do anything they just stay there and they help uh, their goals stay intact their benefits stay intact and that's just it just like any other politician who went out and reached what the, the place they wanted and stayed there for their own benefits and not for the benefits of the people. We even have a uni, the union of Sahrawi women in the camps. It has been since, uh, I'm really sorry, but I don't really know the exact date it was created right now. But it has been working for years, for decades even. And they never did anything for the people in the camps. They do small workshops here and there. And most of the time they get big funds, but they do nothing to the women there. If you have just workshops for a smaller portion of of number of women, and you neglect and avoid and deny the existence of the sufferings of other Sahrawi women, such as the domestic abuse, the assaults, the harassment, the rape case that happens constantly, then you are doing nothing. That's just the union is absolutely futile. It doesn't do anything for women. So I come back and I insist on the uh, the existence of Sahrawi politicians does not, uh, women, women politicians does not mean that we have a voice up there In that we have a voice in the front. They are just there to control, to be controlled by the men in the front and they are just the other uh, voices of the front basically.
0: In that regards, uh, we also have here uh, a question um, on if you have experienced threats or physical, mental danger throughout your fight against patriarchy. This is a question by Smahan Malainine. Uh,
3: I think uh, one of the struggles that we are facing as feminists here is is the threats, rape threats, murder threats. I guess uh, feminists here, they get uh, their accounts constantly hacked. People launch campaigns against them using their personal pictures, using their personal information. Uh, they report our pages also. So women are facing, like, are experiencing defamation, violation of privacy, uh, and I. Just, and I as I said, threats of rape and murder. So it, it messes up with your uh, mental health. health. And uh, personally, I think we did experience that once we started a campaign, is uh, and I'm not wearing it. So some of us uh, received messages. Uh, people were threatening them to come to their houses rape them or kill them and we couldn't do anything about it so sometimes you want to take a step back but you don't want to seem so weak you know but at the end of the day you just you have to fight you have to stand up
0: Um, Well, (laughs) um, it's very difficult to hear this and um, here, like living in Mexico, I'm from Puerto Rico and living here in Mexico and learning about how uh, difficult it is gender violence here, like all the violence rates in directly um, attacks to women daily. um, It is very jarring to see that across the globe, these things continue to happen and it is not something of an area like latin america because that's where the feminist fights are taking sore but like in the middle eastern regions in asia in africa like you know these we are experiencing similar patterns of being shut down and our voices being tamed and being um you know whenever we want to um fight for for our rights, we get um a step back and reminded of our place in in several ways, not just one. And um in that sense I, I think it comes very proper to ask this question by another uh, of our participants, Daniela Mendoza. She is asking, uh, I would like to know if there are any ways we can get to know better the current situation Sahrawi women are facing and more important, how can we spread awareness about these issues? I had already some knowledge about the Sahrawi situation but about the struggle women I are facing i wasn't aware of that and i think that's one of the main questions that we wanted um, to address in this virtual talk which is here in the western societies or people all over the world that listen to this podcast or watch this video um how can we help the cause how can we continue spreading awareness and as aniela has asked how can we truly learn more about sarawi women from sarawi women and not just western's views on what's happening there
1: um uh, that's a great question, really uh because we also want to know uh the same thing about women from latin america for example because uh you read stuff and you will see stuff but uh, at the end of the day if you do if you're not in in direct contact you cannot know the the reality of what you read or if it, if it was overshadowed by uh stereotypical for example uh views about latin america in general um for me i think Um, I think the girls also share this with me, is that the best way to learn about a place or the best way to learn about a a certain movement is to get in contact with the people behind this movement. If you know just one Sahrawi woman who seemed that she uh, uh, talk about these issues, if you you see her post about these issues, then absolutely she can get you in contact with other women, just as I can, for example, contact Maria and she can contact me with other Latin American comrades who will give me insights about the uh, feminist movements in Latin America, uh, for me, uh, the great thing about about um, this this wave that we live through now is of feminism is that it can. It's all of us are connected by social media. So it's really easy to access to the information. It's really easy to get access to uh, people's contacts. And, and that for me is really important and is really uh, crucial to have because if I can, if, for example, we were in the, uh, in the last, the early uh, the 2000s or stuff like that, I wouldn't be as um uh, as knowing as about the world as now so for me the best way to learn about a certain place or a certain community is to get in contact with the people from this uh, community and from this movement and to know uh, direct insights because uh, for example the the movement in the mina, mina region and the Sahara movement we we have to write everything and archive everything in Arabic because our communities only uh, communicate in Arabic. But there are also other uh, feminist Sahrawi feminist movements who work uh, and write in Spanish and they are also uh, nourishing now. So that is important for us. We have this advantage because to connect with Latin America, we have a movement that writes for example, in Spanish. But uh, for me, the question is still about direct communication. Direct communication plays a certain role, an important role in knowing about communities and learning about communities and to spread the word about it. Uh, so I hope that I answered the question correctly because uh, uh, during these times, for example, um, the, the the possibility of having a, um, a forum, for example, or a place that you can invite to other feminists from around the world too is off the table because we live under occupation and we cannot as just feminists from the same place we cannot meet comfortably and safely so that's put us in a very uh, hard uh, position but still I hope that we are just out there and just as visible for us to see uh, you and for you to see us and to communicate with us and to reach us and here I want to uh, thank Natalie and thank Maria for reaching out to us and to give us this opportunity to connect with you guys because this this is uh, what spreads the movement. This is what spreads the knowledge, is these kinds of broadcasts, these kinds of meetings. Uh, and we are really, really grateful for that. And we appreciate your uh, work. Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you, Vena. Thank you, Aliyah. Um, we have time for two more questions. Um, we are going to uh, now address Eliam Shem. She, she, um, she or he uh, asked, Um, Thank you so much for this gave me so much life. I wanted to ask Do you all all balance our interfamiliar struggles for feminist freedom with the wider social struggle for feminism? I am super open outside, but when I come to see my parents, there are many things I hide from my father. And I always wonder, should I confront him? And um, I think this is a very personal question. And maybe there's some advice that you would um, address or a conversation to be had.
1: I'll try to answer this, and I really want Alia to give her inputs too. Um, I, I, I share the same thing. I had uh, to make a great big excuse execute, uh, <laughs> to be here today, because um, there's a big gap between us and between our fathers and mothers' generation. Um, communicating and talking about issues like these is certainly a big threat to us. It's not just about restricting you and restricting your movements and going outside and such that. It just uh, puts your relationship with them at risk. Uh, for these recent years, when I first learned about feminism, I was really annoying. I talked to my mother about everything. I criticized everything. I made sure that I was... Um, me and my sister both at the same time. They even There were times where they... Uh, little there were little steps about abandoning us from just talking about anything and it was really um a moment that gave me um, a clarity that maybe the best way we can remain in, in in a in a relationship with our families is just to give them uh the space of, you can i really don't know because right now I am just giving them the space i i i talk to them I uh, connect with them on just the surface level I really don't get into details uh, because just talking about a personal maybe romantic uh, relationships can be can put you at risk and can give you like a death sentence from going outside of from connecting or even if they can remove anything that you uh, have so that that puts you in a very very um, not just dangerous but awkward position because you want to connect with these people they are your family you want to have them in every aspect of your life because in Sahara societies the family has specific traits of being present in everything you do in your life so having to 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 push them away and to exclude them from a big part of your life can be really challenging it can be really hard but for me uh, that's Mm -hmm. the only way because either uh, any other way I can either face, ha- having to lose them, having to lose the contact with them and having to lose uh, being part of their uh, family or having them uh, treat me in a way that I would not like and I would not want to have them do that to me because I would still want to have a relationship with my father and my mother. So that's a really, really, really tricky uh, situation lots of us, many of us, a women face. So um, I cannot give you an advice. I can really just uh, say that sometimes having them in the dark is really not just good for you, but it's really good for them because... You can never uh, predict what they are going to do and predict the reaction they will have so for me to have them just as my family and to have them in a certain point of my life not knowing everything in my life but I still have their contact and still have their relationship is much more important to me than have them uh, uh, included in other uh, aspects of my life that might threat me or threat them or threat the contact we have with each other and sorry for being so long so I'll just pass the mic to Alia and she and let's see if she have uh, a different answer? No,
3: I don't have a different answer, but I, I want to say that I am in no position to give advice, but I want to tell you that I support you, we support you, we feel you, We hear, we hear you also. But I just want to say, don't take any steps that you are going to regret. Don't do anything that you are going to regret in the future uh don't push them to re-announce you or no longer consider you as a family member and be very careful about what you're doing and what you're saying in front of them that's all
0: thank you so much Mina thank you so much Aliyah. I think that these are words that we always need to hear that we are supported that we are being heard and that we are not alone in this process of Ever-ending transformation. Once we start the feminist journey, and um, I, I want to translate here a very um, beautiful comment by Jules. Um, she she wrote in Spanish, so I'm gonna translate as best as I can here in in, in okay. English. Um, basically, um, last year in Mexico, uh, women were uh, denouncing sexual abuse, femicides, disappearances. Um, we they they were being criminalized by their own country and by their own families. And feminists in uh, the Sahrawi Republic we're announcing we're supporting um the cause here in mexico and she remembers very well um, and that gave her the strength to continue fighting for feminists that fight and from different parts of the world because we are together we assist and we resist and this is also a uh, a beautiful comment that is uh, getting support by Lara Mena Gonzalez, who is also here and she remembers as well. And, you know, it's um, something that we want to uh, thank you. <laughs> for for being, you know, afar but here, um, supporting the causes and all the movements that are, are taking place in, in Latin America showcase that we can have transnational support and and transcontinental conversations and um that was very beautiful. So yeah, um that was a very good comment. <laughs>
1: That was really beautiful. That was really beautiful. Thank you guys. Thanks uh, to everyone who uh, came here and heard us today. And um, it's really, um, I missed the first part of the comment because my internet broke. So if you just please tell me the first because I really die from really dying to learn it. Can you please repeat it? I'm very sorry oh, for yeah. the inconvenience.
0: No don't worry. um basically that last year um, there were um, some protests taking place here in Mexico in terms of femicide, sexual abuse, and disappearances, and uh, Sarawi women were pronouncing in favor of feminist movements here, and that's something that Yules and Lara are you know um, being uh, vocal and thanking you for because it showcases that we can you know build bridges again you know between cultures to continue supporting women transcontinentally so yeah it was more that and a comment yeah. of thankful yeah. <laughs> of we are very
1: thankful for you guys also because uh, the 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 amount of love we feel when we connect with other feminists, is just like you're being away from home for a long time. And you come back and you find people who really understand you and really understand where you're coming from. So it's really beautiful to connect with feminists all the times. It's amazing to see uh, how far um, you know, feminism can reach and how far even, you know, you are in a continent and I am in a continent and we share the same realities and it's absolutely hard to break in, but beautiful at the same times, because I can just take a poem or an article from, Latin American I translated and anybody in here in my region or in uh, Asia for example can relate to it which is absolutely amazing it's uh, we inspire we are inspired by you guys daily uh, the protests you guys do the the chants, the uh the the the, uh, the articles, it's absolutely beautiful and it's absolutely inspiring. And even though we are under a lot of pressure and are under a lot of obstacles, uh seeing women defy all these odds and are under even harder uh situations really give you a push and and inspire you to do more and move with your movements more. So thank you guys so much. You guys are so beautiful and you're so amazing and so courageous and we love you. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much, Mina. Ali, are you there?
3: Yes, I'm here. I was just listening to what Mano was saying and I got a little bit emotional. So <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's very emotional, and I think that would be like a good way to end this talk. um I want to um just give a, a very uh quick um um space to Perla, who has also has a very um last question and um Perla, can you also tell us a bit about your initiative here in Mexico for all of the women here in Latin America who want to learn more about the Mina region?
4: Hi, once again. Um, first of all, I would like to thank you, girls. Uh, really, it's really um, I don't know emotional somehow to uh, listen to 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 you because even though you're in another continent, as you have said, uh, this. It's simply like, I feel you like behind me. I feel like we are sharing the same experience because at the end we are living in the same world. So I was just like, try, I would like to say a quick uh, questions. I was wondering whether you feel represented by uh, organizations, by institutions, or do you think society is doing more in terms to support uh, all these movements? Because uh, nowadays we have the work of the big, uh, big institutions but I, I'm not quite sure whether you really feel this kind of support and uh, just before that we'd like to say that uh, we are working at Mariana is kind of somewhere over <laughs> here and uh, we have been working through an initiative uh, which aims to promote a different vision of uh, the Arab world and uh, of especially of these uh, people who is not uh, represented by big institutions uh, or by this uh girls uh, by this uh, all of these uh, persons that uh, are not really having the uh, space to talk so we would like to say that this space is for you girls if you would like to like write something or to share some experiences we have uh, a blog Uh, Mariana is here so also we can like I don't know why would you like to like phones or just to spread the world, what is going on with you. I mean, I think it's really important. And uh, yeah, so then it's everything. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. So again, um, thank you for the space. And Natalia also, (laughs) thanks for giving us the opportunity to share this experience with you.
1: Um, To start with um, the questions, Uh, there are not many organizations here in the occupied territories that target women or talk about specifically about women issues. Uh, There are um, associations, uh, uh, but mostly are just, uh the the uh, another just tool of the occupation so you really can't deal with they, they don't represent us they are just uh women or men who uh um, consider the occupation legal and they interact with them and they uh, etc everything is political so in the camps as i said there is the union of sahrawi women and there is the the the, the, the police front which is the um for us politically it represents us politically but those do these people uh talk about women or represent women not so much because their main goal is to just talk politics and to find solutions for uh the conflict they uh, uh i think the first time that there was ever a woman in um uh, the negotiation was last year or i think the year before that but And it was just because of the pressure the international communities have uh, done. So really, do these organizations talk about women or talk about women from a certain feminist point or just from uh, a point where they address the issues these women face? No. So we really don't feel that they uh, represent our views as women, our views as feminists. But politically, we uh, consider the front the... um, the uh, our political uh, representative. So I I really don't know if that uh, answered your question, but just the the general contest. There is not many uh, organization that are uh, from the front or from the camps that we can relate to. So uh, that's just um, there there aren 't many organizations what we can do for for uh, what i really forgot the last rest of the question so i 'm so sorry uh, what we can do in terms of uh spreading the the, the word or knowledge or connect uh, i i left my i have uh, I think Natalie and Maria have our emails and have the blog email, and we are welcome to any contact. We're welcome to any help we can provide with any connection we can have with uh, our comrades from Latin America. We love to talk about with women, to uh, talk about our experiences. We love to vent. Uh, when we talk, we never let the mic off. So uh, we are open to anything.
0: Uh, really, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much, Mina, um, Aliyah. We are running out of time. Um, we are going to be posting on the, sh- on the chat of Zoom, um, the link or the email for the blog. If anybody wants to connect with a feminist consciousness or help or write some articles in the Arabic language, um, they can write this email if it's um, possible. And also if you want to get in touch with Mina and Aliyah personally, then through Maria, we can make that possible um but meanwhile um i want to thank all of you <laughs> for being here um if you could share with us mina uh, and Aliyah in the um chat the link to your blog Um, So we can also follow it and um, Instagram, Facebook, all the social media outlets that you have. The same with uh, Mariana and Perla, uh, the Tarouf Instagram and Facebook on the chat for people to follow you all. Um, I think this was a very good start, a very good conversation. We are very excited to be co-producing more virtual talks. Connecting women worldwide on understanding what is womenhood like and um, finding similarities or finding different ways of um, living and being a woman around the world. And that's what the Womenhood and International Relations podcast is about to explore. It's about explorations on feminism, on womenhood and international relations and the intersection between the two. So I'm more than thankful for all of you for tuning in from women here in Latin America, women in Africa and Europe, as well as the United States. Thank you so much for being here and I'm so excited. Um, We're gonna just have a couple of um, minutes left, just for you to follow the links that we are being, um, posting on the chat. If you also have an initiative, an event, an upcoming event related to anything around feminism or womenhood issues, please share it here in the group chat. We will be more than happy to also promote it on our social media, on our respective social media. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, Maria, would you like to uh, end with uh, a final word?
2: I'm about to cry. This is amazing. Thank you so much for this. Thank you so much, Mina and Alia. You know, I'm a big fan of you and your girls, your fight, your blog. I love your blog, <laughs> and that's all. Really, thank you. You know that we Latin Americans, we feminists, love you all. You say all of that. We are supporting you. We want you to know that we will do anything for the world to know what you're experiencing and you know that you have sisters right here in Mexico thank you so much for this
1: Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Thank you for making this happen. Uh, and love to you and love to all our sisters from Mexico and from Latin America in general. This was really heartwarming. This was beautiful uh, to connect with you guys. It's amazing. And I'd love the next time and even more than just next time, various other times when we can connect and talk and vent. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, uh, Natalie. This was amazing. And uh, thanks to Taharif also. Uh uh, we loved this, uh, and we cannot just express how grateful we are for this opportunity.
0: Thank you, Mina. Um, Aliyah, I wanted to see if we can have uh, everybody that will feel comfortable um, uh, turning on the camera so we can have a group photo. (laughs) and um, That way that will be like a good reminder of this uh, event. We will have the uh, podcast and the video uploaded today on our YouTube channel as well as the podcast so you can listen to it. Um, If you feel comfortable uh, opening your camera, that would be great and we see here uh, I want to say hi to our comrade Fida from Palestine who is here to freedom and liberation I thank love you. to hi. see that Hi I'm Jules i
1: Jules, Jules.
0: <laughs> Oh my god this is so cool seeing all it's of your cameras this is so cool thank you so much cool. so we are gonna um, have a small Smile if you will will like and have the photo right now. Oh my God, this is so cool. When everybody's turning their cameras on. (laughs) Hasta la victoria siempre. Sí. Muy bien, una, dos, one, two, and three. Yes. (laughs) Bueno, muchísimas gracias a todas las que sintonizaron en español. Thank you so much to everybody that um, joined in Spanish. Um I will close the podcast, the recording right now. So thank you so much.